Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Good morning, I'm Randy Barkley, and that's Jeremiah Lee, and we're here to help you discuss and hopefully find answers to some of the more tough questions, financial issues that you're facing in your life today. Randy and I are both certified financial planners, and I'm also a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors, where we help clients build the life they love. You know, the thing that we're going to be talking about today is not a subject matter that's uh, easily understood, but in our profession, we refer to it as sequence of risk. Now, you will understand the consequences of that comment, because if you retired uh, at a time when the market started to go down and you had to take out monthly income or some kind of return from your, your holdings, but your, your portfolio is continuing to decline in value, that is a negative sequence. Where on the other hand, if you retire and the market continues to go up, that's a positive sequence. Now, clearly what we don't want to have for our clients is have a negative sequence of return because as you start to take money out of your account, you're taking a lot more of the principal out of your It could have consequences, negative consequences later on down the line when you need to have your income grow because of inflation and other things that go on in your right. life, right? And the hard part about a lot of this planning is that people retire when they retire. You know, they might adjust it by a couple right. of years, but but when you're ready to retire, often people say, do I have enough? Can I retire? But then the moment, you know, often people aren't going to delay four or five years just because the market's down. So the way... There's a few ways to deal with this, but the very first one is what most people do anyways, and most planners do. As you start approaching retirement, there's a, a shift in the allocation. When you're in your 30s and 40s, you're full growth and you're you're progressing in the stock market. And but, you can tolerate the vol- the volatility. Yeah, it, it goes down. It's no big deal. It's going to go back up. Because you're, 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 you're accumulating more assets. Obviously, if you're putting money into a 401k or other retirement plans, you're acquiring those assets uh, when they're cheaper because they're yeah. going down in value. And that actually that builds additional value into your portfolio at that time. Yep, that's great. That's growth. But as you get close to retirement, you know, five years out, 10 years out, a lot of folks and a lot of these uh, target date funds start shifting naturally. They shift in that they uh, shift to either bonds or dividend paying funds, and they take out some of the risk. And the whole point of that is as you get right into your retirement, those first couple of years before and the first couple of years after, they want it to be nice and stable. And the reason for that, the, the big reason is this sequence of returns concept. Um, and the way this works out is if you had a portfolio that had really high returns at the beginning and then poor returns at the end, and then one that was flipped that said really poor returns initially, really large returns at the end. If you're not taking any money out or putting any money in, the math comes out the same. You know, right. it, it doesn't make a big difference. However, if you are taking money out and you have poor returns at the beginning sequence, uh, it is significantly different for the long-term outcome. And that's why people, when they first walk into retirement and start using their funds, we want that to be, if nothing else, stable. Ideally growing, but if nothing right. else, what we want to avoid is a couple of hard years right as you walk into retirement. So how do you handle retirement when you're entering into a bear market? 
Now, again, everybody had different views and thoughts, but the first thing you want to do is do a reallocation. You want to review everything that you have. Now, in 2022, we had a different um, bond market than we've had probably ever since I've seen in my yeah. career. Um, the bond market was the interest rates were going to start to rise, but we were heading into a recession. Typically, the exact opposite occurs. You start to see interest rates rise and the recessionary rise. You don't have the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And with interest rates rising and recession looming on the horizon, what you had is bond values going down. They were getting marked to the market and bonds haven't provided what I consider a lot of stability mm -hmm. in this last six months or so. But bonds will heal provided that you build a bond tent. And it's really important how you structure your bonds going forward in this kind of this mm -hmm. period of time, right? Yeah. So people who retired 2022, it's a hard moment. Like it's a hard moment for a lot of folks, not because they have a problem, but just because of what, what they anticipate. So what we're dealing with a lot of clients is um, because they retired, because they're here, their life stage brought them to retirement. Um, it doesn't mean they're doomed. It simply means they need to be a little more mindful. So the first one is if they were going to put a new roof on the house, so they're going to do some big expenditures. Let's delay those until the markets heal. Um, for a lot of folks, retirement is not a two-year thing or one-year thing. It's a 20 to 30-year adventure. And you can still take a long-term approach and let things heal. You just have to be mindful of what you're taking out. The, the aspect of, of bonds, of if you have good bonds, holding on to them. You know, waiting for them to return, recover, waiting for them to heal, so you get back to a place where you're able to take out what you need for retirement. The, the other aspect that we do a lot with our clients, and it's kind of this cash bucket idea. Right. Um, if if you walk into retirement and your first month of retirement, you need to take money from your retirement account into you into your checking account to live. You are almost a hand to mouth from your retirement account, which you may have plenty of money, but every month you're going to be taking good or bad, taking from your retirement account. A lot of our, our clients as they approach retirement, we want them to build up a cash account, a cash account that you know, could just be one year, but could be two years, could be even three years, years of, of cash that they're going to need. And what that allows them to do is if the market is just nice and high, let that cash sit there, no problem, take from their retirement account. If the market goes low, not to touch their retirement accounts and just live off of that cash. And then you replenish that cash account later on. In other words, when the market recovers and goes back up, you can take more money out and you can replenish that that cash, that so, so to speak, that security blanket yep. and fill it back up, fill that bucket back up with money that you can utilize at another time. But the whole issue is how do you stabilize the income flow without jeopardizing the underlying values, mm -hmm. the underlying uh, investment returns, uh, the values in your in your portfolio structure. Yep. And, and part of the reason we get to two to three years, which for a lot of people, say if you were living off of you know $80,000 a year, then you had three years, that's $240,000 sitting in cash. That's that's a lot of cash just to be sitting there. Um, but the, the, the purpose of that is to allow people to weather that storm and without having to dip into their accounts. So for, uh, you know, we look at the, historically, the, the downturns, the corrections, the bear markets. Um, if we look at bear markets and corrections together, they usually have a dip of 20%, so 20% decline in the market, and that lasts 17 months, so about a year and a half. So for a normal corrections plus bear markets, you can survive that without any issue. With a, a deep bear market, the average of that is 35% down. That, that's a big 
chunk down. But the average is 40 months. So that's what, three, just a little bit over three years, right. under three and a half. And so yeah, for- That would be a worst case scenario. That's a worst case scenario. So our clients, if they're if you had three years worth of cash as you entered retirement- And remember the cash comes into account. In other words, we go back and look at your basic needs mm. and, we, and we back into that what you're receiving in fixed income. For example, social security is a big part of retirees income. And we bring that back into it. So we start subtracting from that cash account the um, the fixed amounts that we know that you're going to get. So you may need $240,000, let's say, going back on what uh, Jeremiah was saying earlier. But when we take out the pension, the Social Security, anything else, maybe that, maybe that fixed account is $100,000 mm-hmm. because you know that you're going to get this other income to you no matter what. Yeah. And you can depend upon that to counter any kind of downturn. Yep, and that buffer allows a lot of clients a huge amount of stability and confidence in their finances walking into retirement, knowing that if they get a great sequence of returns, perfect, they can deal with it. If they get a really poor sequence of returns, that's fine too. We'll deal with it with this cash buffer. And it, it's, it's an aspect that as you look to retirement, you know, most people in retirement don't want to ride the choppy seas. You know, they did that in their, their 30s, they did that in their 40s, they watched things go down, they watched things go up, and they were still working, so it was fine. But as they get into retirement, we want that that ship to be much smoother waters. And you know, one of the ways is is a cash bucket. The other way that we haven't talked about yet is is kind of shifting to dividends. Right. Um, there's an aspect that bonds historically, you know, provided this this buoyancy into a, a, an investment account, and they have this regular income. That has not happened the same way in the last few years. So one of the aspects that ideas is to take a sleeve and put them in dividend paying stocks. And these dividend-paying stocks, they get some you know, capital appreciation as well as potential downturns, but they pay out this regular standard div- dividend. And if a client is able to live off that dividend, you know, those payments coming out and not touch the principal, or just touch a minor amount of the principal, um, then whether the stock goes up and down is to some extent un- inconsequential. Like they can just live off of those. And examples being um, Costco, Nike, um, Procter & Gamble, Coke is probably good one. Coke pays a 2.8% dividend right now. And so if, if you it's had a pretty safe dividend, it's not going to be a dividend that's going to disappear. Yep. You know? It's a safe dividend and it's a safe company. You know, in the midst of the pandemic, I'm sure their sales have fluctuated, but generally people are still drinking Coke and Coke products and them as a company, they're still paying out a dividend. And so as part of your portfolio, if you hold a big chunk of Coke and you're getting 2.8% as a dividend, kind of this quarterly or annual payment, if you're able to use that for your needs, you don't have to worry about whether the price of Coke is going up and down as far as a stock. You just live off the dividends. So in building a, a, a portfolio, part of it is growth stocks, you know, all the things we've had value and growth and regular stocks. But a big part of it is, is dividend stocks, especially as you approach retirement. Another part of your portfolio, we haven't talked about this in this particular segment, but it's something we deal with with all of our clients, and that is real estate. Hmm. In people rental property, we try to get that rental property either completely paid for, we try to realign the assets so that we can pay off the debt so that you end up with a property that is, it's 100% yours. In other words, you're not paying a mortgage. And under Prop 13 in California, your property taxes are going to be lower than if you're in other parts of the country. And the income, if we look at rental incomes, they have remained pretty consistent through good times and bad times. But yeah. if your property, again, that's the same concept. The property values may go up and down based upon the market, but if the rental income remains the same, and if, if we do an analysis, we help our clients look at what kind of maintenance issues do we have to do, any kind of capital improvements. We try to get that done uh, as much as we possibly can before you step into retirement so that 
you can you can receive that income unencumbered so to speak and that becomes part of that income flow mm-hmm. you know, because things we look at so yeah and a big part of this is people look at retirement is is a holistic picture you know you're going to have likely some social security potentially some pension income mm-hmm. um, there's a number of other factors that you want to consider as you build your plan and and what, what i think is, is difficult for clients is when they think the market's gone down therefore my retirement is doomed and it's a much more complex picture um, and there's a lot more even in the guts of the, your investment account of, of how to structure that so that you know having a, a retiring in a bear market doesn't have to be a, a problem and then part of it's just a, a planning to make sure you're on course for that yeah diversification obviously across the board gives you more security going into it so whether or not you have five hundred thousand dollars a million dollars two million dollars whatever it is the dollar amount is going to be affected or the use of that money is going to be affected by other fixed incomes like social security rental income that you have from real estate dividend paying stocks and your non-qualified accounts plus your retirement accounts all these things kind of come together it's not as critically important that you concentrate into one area or not like somebody says where am i going to get my income from Hmm. don't worry about that we'll build out that balance we are concerned about reallocation. Obviously, what happened at, over the last several years is there was so much concentration of, of these big uh, mega cap stocks. Hmm. These big mega cap stocks are the ones that have been terrorizing the, the overall stock market this year. They're down anywhere from 30 to 50 percent, in some cases greater than that. And they're the ones that if people had too much concentration in these particular stocks, their portfolio is going through a tremendous amount of volatility. Yeah. Whereas if you diversified away from them or diluted them, in some cases, the portfolio structures are not going through all this uh, this chaos right now. Yeah, and I liked your comment that, that a person's retirement portfolio deals with their cash, it deals with their real right. estate, it deals with their, their, their actual portfolio. And it's a good thing to look at. If you guys wanna hear more about this, uh, feel free to go to our website, retirementunlimited.com or give us our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome to Retirement Unlimited, the show where we talk about life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions with your money. In this segment, we want to talk about good idea, bad idea. Mm. So this uh, one is a credit lock. So you, you see at times on the, on the commercials or on the radio, you got to lock down your credit. What are you going to do? So good idea, bad idea. Should you take steps to lock your credit? Now, we're in a little bit different positions here. I have uh, four small children, and there's people that talk about you. There's need, a lot of bills, in other words. Yeah, a lot of bills. But you have to lock your, your kid's credit. You need to claim their credit score, claim their social security numbers, and lock it down so that nobody will commit fraud 
by filling out loan applications or things in, in their names. You've, you hear this around. So everyone knows there's, there's TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian are kind of the three main credit reporting agencies. And we, we, we've talked about this before, but th there's a process. If someone wanted to, you could go to each of these credit reporting agencies and lock your credit, basically saying, don't issue any um, abilities to take, to take loans. And is that a good idea? Well, I guess my question is, I've never heard of a child, I'm sure it's been done, mm. where somebody has stole the credit information from a child and created a credit transaction, yeah. you know, where they borrowed money, bought a house, sold a car, I mean, whatever it is. I've never heard that. I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I know that people take dead people and mm -hmm. they take the information from dead people yeah. and create a whole credit history that way and do it. Yeah, and that's probably the other option. So it could be someone who's passed away, but the most common that we hear, and I think that we have heard about, is someone who is retired. Right. Someone who's a little bit older, they lived their life, and they've bought their home, they've bought their rentals, they've, they've done all the things they're going to do, and they say, should I just lock down my credit? You know, should I do it? Um, so we, we've had some discussion of this. And, you we know, have. Without we just had. jumping to and it. We've had some practical aspects to this, too. Yeah. We've had some clients who have done this. In fact, years ago, I kind of advised people through an article that I read that you might want to consider locking down your credit. Right. And, yeah. and I had some clients do that. And what we found is easy to lock it down. It's not so easy to unlock it. Yeah. And so they're not, the uh, credit bureaus are not friendly when you go to unlock it because they, they feel like you're maybe a fraud yep. trying to unlock it. So it, it becomes a lot more difficult than what was initially indicated in the articles that I read. Yeah, and, and part of this is if somebody has the passwords, the logins, the PIN numbers, all those things readily available, it, it's a process. They have a process for locking, they have a process for unlocking it. The issues come up if, what if you've moved two or three times since then? Right. What if what used to be in your safe then ended up in a drawer and got in that one file? You remember that one file it was in there? And, and now you're trying to recreate these pins and items. I asked my wife for something here the other day. I said, now you have this large key. In other words, this large, you know, numbers and letters and everything else that is the master code going into a certain hmm. certain thing. I said, do you know where that's at? And she looked at me and she said, I think I do. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is she didn't know exactly where it was at. Right. So we kind of searched for it and then put it into another place that he, yeah. she and I both agreed to So the, keep it. Yeah. So the item with these is if you, you lock it down, the nice part is no one else can can open your credit, use your credit. The negative being if you ever need it in the future, you know, refinance a house, um, take a loan because you'd like to, um, right. not because you necessarily have to, but you decide to. Uh, it, it can be difficult if you've lost that information. So some of the other items without just locking your credit, you know, is uh, every year you can go and check your credit. And that's a really advisable thing to do. You know, once a year, pull your credit scores. One, just know your score, but also and to- you can do that for free. You do it for free. Um, you can, uh, there's a number of websites that will facilitate that for you. Um, and to look through it, not just the, um, you know, is it good, is it bad, what's my number, but to look through the accounts that it says you have and to review and make sure they're yours and dispute anything that is not accurate, that's not yours. Um, another one is, is credit monitoring. I mean, a number of people have been subject to hacks um, right. that a you know, large retailer or a large bank will get hacked. And it's not necessarily that they took your money in that moment. They said they may have taken your contact information, um, sensitive personal information. And we had that a few years ago where a, a large retailer contacted us and said, your, uh, your information may have been compromised. We're giving you a free year of credit monitoring. Um, so either through LifeLock or other credit monitoring um, agencies. And they would pay for it. And they paid for that, yeah. And, and people can do that themselves. You can just hire. But basically those agencies, they uh, check your credit just like that once a year, but they also can do monthly 
checks. They can, you know, watch for anything off the normal, you know, applying for loans, things like that. And I, I think our clients have, have appreciated that of using those services. It's usually a monthly fee, a monthly cost, monthly cost, but they would be alerted if there was any sort of um, app, loan application or things of that nature. Yeah, I think for for purchases, again, I go back to, I think the, I'm, a, I'm opposed to debit cards because mm. debit cards are direct connection to your bank account. I, I don't have a debit card. Uh, banks give them to me and I destroy them. I have credit cards because credit cards, you get a bill and you can look at a, you know, you can look at a charge and you say, that's not mine and mm. you can dispute it. And, and we've had that happen. I'm sure many people that are watching or listening to us right now have had their credit card company call them yeah. and say, did you buy a refrigerator in Austin, Texas <laughs> two hours ago? And you're saying, no, I, I didn't. So they they close it down, lock it down. They send you a different credit card. They seem to be a pretty good at monitoring that sort yes. of thing. But again, I'm a really opposed to debit cards. Yeah. I, I think they cause a lot of problems or can. They can, yeah. The, di the difference, like you said, the debit card is it's your money that left. And so you're waiting for someone to restore the money, right. you know, whether it's you know, Visa or whoever it may be into your bank account. When it's a credit card, it's someone else's money that, that went out. And if the, the company catches it and it's fraud, often you are not responsible for the bill and they simply stop it. And there's no further discussion on the point. I mean, five, 10 years ago, I feel like credit card fraud was a really frustrating thing to go through. Mm -hmm. um, over the last probably five years, I think we may have had our credit card compromised twice. And each time, just like you said, it was identified and we got a phone call that said, is this yours? No, new cards are in the mail. The cards are terminated as of the day and send things out. I was really impressed uh, through the bank's process of moving you forward. So that's another, I guess, level of, of protection, checking your credit score for larger items, but also using things like a credit card where you can review the statements as well as if there is a fraud issue, dealing it with it correctly through the, through the, the credit card provider, their algorithms are, are pretty good these days. And again, I think, uh, again, and maybe, maybe I run my house a little bit different than most people do, but we do reconcile our checkbook every month. I mean, in fact, my wife does it on the first and the 15th making sure that there's nothing chart, there's no charges, there's nothing that's that's debited to our account that is not something that we've authorized and such as that. But it's important to stay on top of it just yeah. to be current. I've talked to many people say, you know, if if my credit card balance or my checking account balance is within a certain dollar amount, I don't worry about it. I don't reconcile it. I kind of sign off on it and move on. I, I think that's dangerous. Yeah. I think that it could be really dangerous. So yeah, that's good. So I think overall, good idea, bad idea. I, I would say in most situations, probably a bad idea. Um, I, I imagine there's a few folks in a few situations that locking the credit down uh, could be really useful, especially if they keep all of the um, right information, you know, to unlock right, it later. Right. Um, I, I think it's a certain false sense of security. Hmm. I think it's better for you to monitor your financial life so that you're not just dependent on some entity to kind of protect you, so to speak, throw a blanket over you and take you. But you're also you're also paying, you know, that $20, $30, whatever it is per month. And I, I think in most cases, I don't think it's warranted. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the child issue, and that, that's like a whole other, I guess, layer on this of, you know, do you want to block down your kid's credit? I, I think it, it could be an interesting idea for some people. But yeah. again, keeping that, they're going to turn 16, they're going to turn 18. You're going to need those PIN numbers. You're going to need all those items. So if you were to decide to do that, you know, keeping all that stuff. I mean, a very wealthy family is probably going to be much more careful about watching their kids' credit than the vast majority of the people in America. So to speak. Yep. Yep. That's great. Well, if, if you have a, a topic you'd like to discuss on a future episode, you can leave it on our website. You go to retirementunlimited.com, use the comments button, uh, or you can give our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. 
We'd like to hear from you on anything that you'd like to hear us, hear us talk about. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.